Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Welcome to Houston Sports Talk's Texans postgame show. And with the Astros Thursday night, we called an audible and are recording this one early Friday. Joining me to break down the Texans, as always, is co-host Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And if you're new to the party, we've got 45 years in journalism between the two of us and over 35 covering Houston sports. So you're in good hands. And Sean, yes, it's another loss, but they looked a little bit more like a pro team, at least on Thursday night. Yeah, up and down, right? I think they probably shocked everybody with the way that they were able to move the football, um, especially early on. And it's like, man, you're going to hang with the Seagulls team. But, uh, you know, you got to think about this. Um, sometimes when your back's up against the wall, you tend to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe more creative, relaxed in your game planning, short week. And maybe sometimes you tend to throw some stuff up against the wall that you typically wouldn't and hoping that it sticks it kind of felt very preseason-esque to me with the fluidity that we saw from the Texans' offense. And we saw some training camp players out there. We hadn't seen Jalen Camp in quite a while. Uh, he was on the football field, and they finally were able to work Terran Johnson in a little bit. Only one catch, but um, you see a little bit of promise that, that he holds with his speed and his ability um, if he didn't slip, man, maybe he splits a couple defenders and goes goes to score. But um, I, you know, it's gives you a little bit of hope. But that's the roller coaster of a Houston Texan season. <laughs> yeah, no Cooks and Collins. It felt like Davis Mills was not zeroing in on a particular guy. Might have helped him a little bit with his progression. Yeah, it was kind of interesting, right? Did you notice? Uh, Obviously, Dorsett and Chris Moore, those are the two veterans. Those are the only two guys that had caught a pass uh, this season before last night in the wide receiver core. But while he went to those guys pretty heavy in the first series with a good mix of run and pass, um, boy, he would pull – Pep Hamilton would pull uh, Dorsett, Moore, and, um, oh, gosh uh, – Terrain Johnson off of the field at the same time and go with that like heavy tight end package, you know, and then he would mix it up a little bit. So you could tell he was really trying to be um, as creative as possible with, with, with different personnel groupings. Yeah. Let's get into the game a little bit. We'll take you possession by possession, but first make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. It's a great way to support the show. And by the way, our channel, about to hit 400,000 views, but we need you to subscribe. Our last Astros postgame show is either tomorrow or Sunday. So tune in for that one. We want your live reaction. So come join the party with me and Stephen Kerr. I know you guys are hyped after the game. Let's uh, let's let's uh, enjoy the party over there. And let's get into this one possession by possession, Sean. And I don't know who those Texans were on the first drive, but... Let's do more of that. 75-yard touchdown drive. They hit a big play with Mills to Dorsett. And the just activated, just activated, late round draft pick, Quiteriano with a great TD catch, his first NFL touchdown. And it's the first opening touchdown drive of the season. Uh, Tegan Quiteriano, I thought, was going to be a baller in preseason. Um, he looked good. He caught that touchdown pass against the uh, Los Angeles Rams in the third quarter of the preseason game, I think, uh, at the time that initially gave the Texans a lead um, in that game. And I was like, hmm. You know, it was from Kyle Allen, actually, in that game against the Rams. I was like, man, dude, he kind of looks good. And in training camp, I was noticing at that point, I'm like, 
I kind of like him better than everybody else. Um, and it just sucks that, you know, he got hurt and was injured for so long. Um, finally gets an opportunity, you know, Thursday night and makes his NFL debut and bam, you find him on the first touchdown, the first drive. I think first time you score a touchdown on the opening drive all season long. And it's like, dude, here we go. Like, this is what we've, what we, what we noticed in the preseason, what we were missing. And it's like, Brevin Jordan, ah, Jordan Aikens, ah, OJ Howard, ah. You know, all these guys, like, maybe you got something in this young fella, Tegan Quatoriano, because all the, all, all the coaches, uh, his teammates talk nothing but, uh, just glowing things about him. Like, dude loves football. He's a student of the game. This is all he wants to do every day, all day. And you can see proofs in the pudding, man. The work, hard work paid off last night for him in the first, uh, first drive. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, the Texans drafted him and they drafted Mechie to help Davis Mills. And we haven't seen both of those guys until Thursday night's game. And Mechie at least was on the sideline, so that was good to see. And hopefully he's on the road to getting back. But, you you, you know, Casario, it's just got to drive him crazy because everybody's like, man, you put out this garbage offense and where are the receivers and where are the guys that can help out Davis Mills? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I drafted those guys. It's just been really bad luck. And it's easy to say, oh, go make your team 90 deep in case there's a cancer case and this guy goes down with an injury. It's hard to do in the NFL to get guys that are quality guys that can make you 60, 70, 80 deep in case something awful happens with some of the guys that you do draft. Yeah, I mean, it, it could look a lot different. Um, you know, I, I think win total-wise, uh, you know, as many games as the Texans were in earlier in the season. I mean, they're still weirdly, like, technically in games, <laughs> you know, in the latter stages. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, last couple of weeks, it's been early fourth quarter and then just, you know, just the wheels kind of fall off. But it's still probably a Davis Mills problem. I'm just pointing out. Oh, it's those, a problem. No, those guys could help. Those guys could help just right. to, to make life easier for Davis Mills and maybe make life easier for Nico Collins and some of the other guys to get open if, if you had some of those players out there. You're 100% right, but, you know, it's kind of a calculated uh, issue. I'm not going to say it's a calculated tank, systematic tank, um, but rather, you know, a situation in which if you're Nick Asteri, you kind of throw your hands up if you deal with some in injuries or guys aren't producing, you know, like they're supposed to, you're in terms of like maybe rookies being brought along a little slowly in in a season like this because you can't afford quality depth. Hell, you can't afford quality in some of your starting positions uh, on either side of the football. So, you know, it's kind of like Casario, I think, has to understand. And I think this is really all a part of the plan here. It's like, yeah, you can't really say bleep hits the fan this year at any point because you prepare for that. <laughs> if bleep hits the fan, then... Yeah, you weren't a team with a lot of depth. My point is you yeah. weren't a team with a lot of depth to begin with, and then you lose a couple of guys that you think could help you out. Uh, let's get to the next drive. The Eagles respond 18-play drive, 91-yard touchdown drive. They they get away with a couple of obvious offensive penalties on that drive. The Texans typically don't get respect much from the NFL officiating crews around the league. I'm just going to say it. There was a false start. There was aiding the ball carrier. It was clear as day, like it's right in front of the officials. The guy's yanking him with his head uh, three or four yards to the one-yard line. Um, they finish with that one-yard Sanders touchdown on fourth and goal, but – I mean, it's it's frustrating because the Texans, they're not only bad, but it's just the typical, they can't 
get officiating respect around the NFL. And I just don't, I don't see a lot of calls that they don't get called for, but I, it, it just feels like over the years, wow, man, other teams just get away with stuff against the Texans that, that I, I'm just surprised at. I felt like uh, everybody hates Houston since like the 1993-1994 NBA Finals. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why. Like that's that's been my that's been my life. That's been my uh, upbringing experiences. I don't know. It's like you know, listening to uh, you know NBA on NBC that year against the Rockets and stuff. It was just like, man, they, they hate Houston. Like I'm listening to people calling to the Astros post game show last night as I'm driving home, and oh, they're so biased on the national broadcast. And it's like, yeah, it's a little fanboyish, but. They kind of are, you know, like the national broadcasts, you know, just kind of suck. And it's like everybody's against Houston. But, man, you know, Thursday night football, like the stage is a little bit bigger now. Um, Everything's more magnified. You know, you get the same damn camera angles you would on a Sunday night or a Monday night. They're treating it like prime time, right? Except for that old glitchy Internet, um, you know, which is sometimes an issue. But (laughs) because they are streamed games. You didn't know. Luckily, Um, at least they had they they put these get these uh, Thursday night games on television if it's your local market, which was nice because I could go on my DVR and go back and forth between the Astros and Rockets. It's so much harder to 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 go through the recording if you are streaming these games. So at least that was a positive from from because I just I frankly the Amazon thing is just doesn't do it for me. No, Amazon sucks and. The NFL and the nation hates Houston. I, I just don't think street, they're ready for the the streaming. I, I don't think it's re- quite ready for for sporting events. That's just my opinion. No, we don't need it anyway. Like people are paying enough money to watch your product NFL. Don't make them pay five dollars more a month to watch like some glitchy internet football garbage. Get out of here. Next drive, false start on Tunsil, third and six. Uh, was the point where he puts the false start in. So we know Mills can't convert third and long, so the Texans punt. But with the Texans' D um, on the field, a rare corner blitz, at least that I can remember. Steven Nelson jars it loose for Hertz. Jaleel Johnson recovers for the first fumble the Eagles gave up this season. Good on the Texans' defense right there. And Steven Nelson... Uh, just a little surprised, a little surprised that he is still with the Texans, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing whenever he made uh, a couple plays last night. Um, of course, I'm glad he is, though. It, yeah. Because you need to watch somebody ball out. And Steven Nelson balls out every single week. Desmond King balls out every single week. You know, there's there's a handful of guys that you just you kind of enjoy. That, and they flash, you know. And maybe the Texans stunk so damn bad last year that it was Kamu Gruje Hill who flashed for me. It's like I did uh, full disclosure. I watched like two games, and it's uh, last season, and only because I had to, you know, do podcasts and stuff like that. I didn't even want to watch those games, but the games that I did watch, Kamu Gruje Hill flashed. Maybe because they were so bad. Maybe oh, team- he was he was good last year. I don't know what happened to him. He was a good player last year. It, it's amazing to me the fall off and, and and you felt like there's got to be something injury wise that he isn't disclosing, but this is not the same guy that that maybe, wasn't the same guy. Or maybe it's the Easterby effect. You know, is it a coincidence that uh, Kamu Gruje Hill and 
Uh, Brandon Cooks, both Easterby guys, now maybe have their little bitty feelings hurt that he's not in the building and just, you know, they don't pack that glorious punch that he helps them bring. You know, maybe Kamu lost his tackling ability. Maybe Brandon Cooks, you know, had his little bitty heart broken. We'll see. It'll be interesting today. But but Kimball was a guy that Casario brought in. He was a guy Casario brought in. Cooks was obviously an Easterby Bill O'Brien guy. Doesn't mean that Kamu and Easterby didn't have some sort of, uh, you know, bond. I, I think they did. I think that was pretty well documented, you okay. know, around those circles. But I, I'm, I'm being a little mean. Um, I, I don't really mean that, but, I mean, it could be a thing. Who knows? Let's see from Brandon Cooks. If he's if he talks to the media this week, I will be the first to ask, if given the opportunity, uh, what exactly that cryptic tweet meant. Um, because it basically said he was going to – start talking and spill the beans. So I got a lot of questions and he's got a lot of bean spilling to do. So it's going to be interesting to see what he says, if anything, this week. Yeah, the fans were mad that Cooks wasn't dealt. My feelings on it is his contract was so weird. You you weren't hardly getting anything for him anyway. I don't know if it was really necessary. And I just don't see how you're going to get something with that contract his age and the way he's played this year, none of that was going to help you. You know, this idea that the Texans were like second or third round or we're not doing it. I, I think that was all bluster. That's just their way of making it sound like, Hey, he was worth something, but we weren't going to budge off of our, our guy. At least if, if that was put out there by the Texans themselves in, 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 uh, in some way. Or they play a little bit of hardball with them, you know, like, you remain steadfast because look at what they got around the rest of the league in some of these deals. You know, it was like a second and a fifth um, for who's the receiver that got dealt uh, 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 earlier that day. I mean, it was, it was kind of a wild day. But the guys that were dealt, like Christian McCaffrey and Roquan Smith, they're guys that are, you know, have an incredible track record and and I think would have made more an impact than Brandon. Brandon Cooks was is not the impact player that a Roquan Smith or a no, but I mean, he could be a missing piece to a contending team, you know? Yeah. Um, and and so I think the Texans, you know, were right at the end of the day to say, this is what we want. Here's what the value that we think we should get in return for Brandon Cooks. And well, let's see how bad you want him. Um, at the end of the day, I still think it was just kind of, uh, kind of dumb to sign him to an extension like that if you're going to look to deal him um, because. Yeah, that's the problem. Something happened, though. It's just not that simple. Something happened with with Brandon Cooks. His his attitude changed. Like the the whole vibe changed from what it was preseason to to now at this point in time. So something went down there. But I think you know it was a little bit. That's probably a little bit of the angst that Cooks has towards the Texans in the situation is that they said, "Hey, we want this," and Cooks damn well knows you're not going to get that for me, and you owe me eighteen million dollars next year pay a little bit of this money. Let me get the heck out of here and go play for a contending team. And the Texans are like, <laughs> no, we gave that money to you because we thought you could be a part of helping us grow something. And now you don't want to do it. So hell no, you're going to stay here and you're either going to suck it up and earn your money and play football games for us. Or, Hey, you start missing practices and missing games and we can void some of that money. So what's it going to be, buddy? And so Cooks has a little tiff, you know, this week. Lovey Smith maybe cuts him a break and excuses a couple of practices, hoping that he can, uh, you know, salvage this thing and not let it get too crazy. Talk to Brandon, get him back in the building, which apparently is supposed to be happening today. 
um, and then go forward because Lovey Smith knows this is really the only reason why he was hired is to be that calming influence, that positive figure. And if he didn't have the help on the field with one of the uh, best veterans in Brandon Cooks, then what does he have? So this is very important, I think, for Lovey Smith. Maybe something that's not being talked about enough in terms of, you know, losing a, a little bit, uh, not losing it, but the locker room growing more and more disgruntled with other guys. A little irony here because we, we saw DeAndre Hopkins get traded because he wasn't showing up to practice and now Brandon Cooks is doing the same thing. I just, I have to laugh at the whole Bill O'Brien of it all, but the Texans, yeah, right. they, can't, they can't take advantage of the turnover. Third and nine, uh, Mills sacked after Quesenberry just gets trucked by his defender. The Eagles finally figure out they don't have to pass. They could go mostly on the ground, 10 plays, 79 yards, and quickly it's 14 to seven. But Sean, the Texans don't lay down at the end of the half. Seven play, 75-yard touchdown drive with the help of one of Pierce's beast mode runs. Uh, he was huge on the drive, 88 yards, 13 carries in the first half alone. Mills finishes off with a 13-yard touchdown pass to Chris Moore. And Sean, Mills looked to me much more comfortable leaving the pocket in the first half that we've seen from him all this year, both in passing and he took off running. And I was like, where was this guy the last seven games? I don't know that. Look, it's interesting. Like, that's why I said this game felt way more like preseason-y to me because of the fluidity with the offense. And it just seemed like guys were comfortable and like, looking to find something and ready to show, you know, like, Hey, look what we've been working on. And, you know, things that you would typically see from young guys in a preseason game, like just a little bit flashier and they're like, ha ha. Um, and maybe it's Mills, you know, like not Mills, maybe it's Pep Hamilton and Mills together breaking the chains a little bit. You know, maybe there was a conversation where it's like, Hey man, you know, look, um, I know there's some things that you could do that I really haven't, uh, you know, let you do because it doesn't work well with a couple of our veteran receivers and maybe uh, Nico, you know, and Cooks and Nico, maybe maybe with their absence, Pep said, you know, like we can be a little bit more free-flowing. I can let you do some things and experiment out of the pocket. I'll tell you what, Davis Mills does not throw a football better than he does when he's on the run, and especially to his right. It was a touchdown pass, I think it was, to Chris Moore, where he was throwing on the run to his right. He made oh, yeah. a yeah. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, it looks like an NFL arm. It looks like NFL accuracy. It looks like an NFL quarterback with Davis Mills a few times last night. And I'm like, man. We've said it already. you got to get him out of the pocket more. I mean, we talked about that early in the season, I want to say, and I know Jason Braddock has talked about that with us on the podcast. So, I mean, it's just that that it's just amazing to me that it took this long to happen. They need, but. they need to let him play football, Robert. They need to let him play football. And look, it might amount to nothing. You know, we could end up seeing a Rosencopter situation. I don't, I don't know, but he he ran a ball last night, probably the longest run he's had in his career. I think it went for like eight yards on a scramble. He rolled out to his left, looked, 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 and then finally said, screw it, I'm tucking it, I'm going. He gained like eight yards on the left sideline. I can't remember when it was. I mean, maybe you have that in your notes. I just remember thinking like, holy smokes, like, one, 
he doesn't run as bad as I thought he did or that people make it out to be. Like, obviously, we don't get to see him besides. No, he was running. doing this last year. No, he can run. He was doing this then last year. Then run. And if you don't do it, then it's your own fault. And people should be fired for not letting, you know, a third round quarterback draft choice who has the the, the keys to the franchise to try and win a quarterback job and be the guy of the future. He was it's either one all smoke and mirrors. They're never they never wanted to do that with him. They just kind of never wanted to give him a chance. They were looking at Bryce Young two years ago. I don't know. Or they're stupid and people should be fired if in fact you're restraining Davis Mills from playing the game. Let's that not act like Pep was not here last year. And he was here and Davis Mills looked good when he was outside of the pocket. And I just I'm surprised that it didn't happen as much as it's happened last night, the whole season, but let's go to Eagles miss a 54 yard field goal on the last play. They have to keep it tied third quarter, uh, three and out, but Jerry Hughes. Oh my goodness. Two sacks on the first three plays of the second half. And Sean old man, Hughes, two sacks, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits fountain, a youth game for Jerry Hughes. I mean, he's kind of been balling, you know, for most of the season, this is his third multi-sack game of the year seven sacks on the season, you know, look, he probably disappeared for the last couple of weeks. And I even asked him about that. I said, Hey, you know, what's, what's changed? Um, Because you just kind of looked reinvigorated last night. And, you know, he said, Hey, look, one, they're keeping me really healthy here. Like they're doing a great job. Like it's different. So he gave props to the medical staff, but then two, he was like, you know what? It's just like the study and preparation. I know what I got to do for these young guys because they're looking to me um they're feeding off of me and so it's my study it's my preparation it's the way i got to play to bring these young guys jerry hughes has been that guy all season long and by that i mean he understands his role and that's what makes me believe that that is the role for a lot of these other veteran guys like amario addison um, and even on the offensive side of the ball, like Philip Dorsett, obviously your hope was Brandon Cooks would be that guy. Somebody to teach these young players how to prepare, how to play, you know, how to deal with the pain, how to deal with the adversity. And unfortunately for the Texans is that they've created a lot of their own crap uh, with the adversity. And so they've had to figure that out. But Hughes has been an excellent guy to have in that locker room, man. Like I'm, I'm pumped um, that he's been able to uh, do what he's done. It was like, a year or two ago, he had 10 sacks. Him and Mario Addison were balling out together in Buffalo. Like, nobody really thought, like, he wasn't going to do that here just as so long as the defense was going to allow him to do that and not be so stinky. Um, but thankfully, you know, he's he can go a little rogue, kind of like J.J. Watt could when he was with the Texans. He's on the edge, and he can kind of sell out a lot, and that's what he has, and he's gotten burnt sometimes and has cost the Texans. But he looked good last night. Yeah, setting the edge on the run plays has been – but he handled some runs really well when uh, there was uh, some uh, Jalen Hurts in the backfield holding onto the football once, and then one time he he recovered after Hurts handed the ball off, which was a fantastic play. But Texans with the quick three and out after Brevin Jordan gets called for holding on first down. Again, behind the sticks, Brevin Jordan – and my mind was blocking a little bit too much in this game because it was not pretty when Brevin Jordan was out there blocking. But the defense gets their second straight three and out with the help of an instant replay review, uh, a rare 
one that went in the Texans' favor. We don't see that many times over the years. And, and the next Texans drive, Davis Mills, terrible throw under pressure, interception. Mills avoided the panic interceptions, I thought, last year. Uh, there's been a couple of them this year that just the, he gets a little bit Peggy panic in the pocket and and makes the throw that he should. And he knew it. You saw his reaction after he threw the pass. Yeah, that was the one that kind of came out like a, a splitter, you know, saying knuckleball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know if it was like a, a, a misread, you know. I mean, there was a, obviously a little bit of panic there. He's trying to get the ball out. But we notice on on that pass, like the route that Moore was running, it was kind of like, a, all right, I'm going to fake left, like kind of jab step left and then come back right, you know, to create a little bit of separation. If Mills is able to get something on that ball, like it looked like it was going to hit more right exactly where he was supposed to be. It just, he, it was a crappy throw, you know, but I, so I don't think it was a misread. I just think it was like panicky and I just got to get the ball. I can't remember if he had his arm hit or something or his elbow hit somebody trying to get out, but look, I, I, I feel like I'm starting to sound like Brock Osweiler. Every interception has a story. You threw a pick. Okay. Picks have really cost you this season for Davis Mills. Now, it hasn't happened at, like, this um, Matt Schaub way, like where he'd thrown, like, seven or eight straight pick sixes back in the day, which was just weird and crazy and nightmarish. Um, so, like, Mills doesn't have those issues, but his interceptions just have been some really crappy situations, luck, if you will, the batted balls. This one, look, this is – the epitome of what happens to you when your line gets overwhelmed and you're trying to do too much and you don't really have a great receiver core that's able to get open very quickly. You're going to make mistakes. It just happens. And they're just called interceptions. That's what you see in the box score. INT, you know, with a one next to it or two sometimes. So I'm not freaking out about it, but I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, the other one was far more egregious to me than, than, than that one was. The other one was a little bit uglier. Overall, I thought the offensive line, though, I thought it played pretty well in this game. One of their better games for sure. And Yeah. And, you know, real quick, you mentioned that. I talked to Scott Questenberry after the game and um, because he'd mentioned something in the scrum. He was like, well, you know, we'd seen a front like this before, so we were kind of familiar with it. And it was kind of like a little throwaway line. It ended up like, wait a minute. What, what do you mean you'd seen a front like this before? And he's like, well, we actually saw it a couple of times before, and we're going to see it again next week presumably. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, the bears and the chargers do some very similar things defensively, um, you know, with, with their attack, how they attack the run. And um, next week, the giants do the same, you know, similar stuff he'd said. So we're anticipating another good game. And I'm like, man, okay. You go back and you look and see the success that Pierce had against the bears and in the chargers combined two, 211 yards on 34 carries in those games. And then last night he has a career high 139 yards. And it's like, man, you know, I hope the Giants don't hear what Questenberry said. <laughs> but the, and the Texans can just kind of keep that familiarity and continue to expose it on the ground. It just felt like the Texans went away from the run a little bit too early. It's like, oh, we had so much fun with Damian Pierce in the first half and racked up all those yardage, but uh, – you get too close to 20 carries too quickly and like, eh, we got to start mixing in a Burkhead rando here or there and, you know, start spreading the ball around. It's like, go, go get them, Pierce. Come on. 
That's why you just need another competent running back with some juice. And Burkhead had a one nice run in the game. And or use Dare. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just give give somebody else a shot. Um, all of that that interception it leads to a Hertz touchdown pass um, to Brown. So it's twenty one to fourteen at this point. Texans zone defense looks like Swiss cheese more often than not. They didn't look good on that play. The offense responds with a long drive. More Damian Pierce. Leads to a Fairbairn field goal. It's 21 to 17. But as we've seen all season, Sean, the Texans defense starts falling apart in the fourth quarter. Eels put together an easy drive. It's 29 to 17 after a two point conversion. Neither team does anything. The next two drives, of course, the Texans don't do anything on a fourth quarter drive. Texans last shot, six minutes left. But this just bugs the hell out of me, Sean. They show absolutely no urgency. They run down the clock and appear not to care about winning the game. I think Pep Hamilton was just trying to cover at the end. I, so I was like, has Pep got money on this one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, a couple of people in the press box uh, next to me said, well, at least the Texans are going to cover. And then like literally a couple of plays later, the interception happened. I'm like, oh crap, not so fast. Like this is going to be a pick six and you know, you're going to eat your words. <laughs> that didn't happen. And I thought like, well, hell, you know, the Eagles have been so explosive last night. They'd showed the ability to sustain long drives. You know, they had two drives of 10 plays, one drive of 18 plays and that 18 play drive, you know, to counter the Texans score in the first quarter was just, Oh my goodness. They could just eat whenever they wanted to like, bam, 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 bam. Um, I, I just thought like, uh, Boy, the, the Eagles are going to score here, and it's 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 going to look ugly at the end of the day. It's going to be one of those games where, you know what, the the box score looks a lot uglier, or the final score looks a lot uglier than the actual game was, and which would have been funny because the seventeen ten loss to the Titans, like it was a way uglier and more embarrassing game than what the score gave the opposition credit for. Um, but look, the Eagles are on a short week too. They had to travel. They were missing some pieces um, and probably playing a little bit differently than than what they probably should have. They looked to pass the ball way early in this game, you know, where I thought like, okay, it's been three straight weeks that teams have just dominated you on the ground, Texans. Like, we're going to do the same thing because we can with Miles Sanders here and Jalen Hurts if we want to. They just, it looked like they used this as a practice game. Like, you know what? Hurts, you can work on some things. You know, we really want to get some other guys involved in the passing game. Let's go pass heavy the first couple of series. And I, they, I think it's, it's with some of these teams, they're like, we're going to do what we do. But in the end, we know we can run the football. And then they, they get into it as the game yeah. goes along. And it's, it's the same old story with the Texans defense. And by the way, that last drive that where the Texans are not hurrying up. It ends up in that ugly interception you were talking about earlier. Mills third and 19. It once again looked like the that Mills and his receiver were not on the same page. We've seen that way too many times. This, set this time, yeah. And so the game ends. Damian Pierce, you said it, 139 yards, 27 carries, 5.1 yards per carry. I can't gripe about them for not running Pierce more because – you just can't start running him 30 and 40 times a game. You know, it's just, it's, there's no point in a year like this to do that. You don't want to kill him. You don't want to, you know, we've seen it too many times around in the NFL where if you overload a guy, that's going to happen. Uh, Mills, 154 yards passing, two touchdowns, two ugly interceptions that we mentioned. Um, 
the big thing is, I mean, I, I just keep going back to the whole idea, Sean, is like take take the shackles off, let him get outside the pocket. I think that's where you're going to see Davis Mills have real success. And when he's in the pocket, he can get happy feet. He gets panicky a little bit at times. I mean, you would think that that's something that's going to go away, but we're a year and a half in and he's still doing the same stuff in the pocket. So if you're going to have any sort of success with this guy, get him outside the pocket. And maybe once he gets better outside of the pocket, he says success outside of the pocket, maybe the stuff inside the pocket eventually comes along a little bit. And, you know, they still got time. There's still eight games, like right? Yeah. Eight games left. Yeah. Just, but letting him play, letting him play. They're one, six and one. So uh, you've got nine games left. And throw okay. the ball down the field, like the Dorset catch early in the game. I mean, even if you miss, you made a shot and you could get a pass interference and something good could have happened. But, yeah, I mean, that's the big takeaway for me is, you know, Mills and the offense looked a whole lot more comfortable. The defense, I mean, nothing's going to change until you get some guys up front that can hold things. I mean, I was watching Heinish in that game. He was getting just manhandled, trucked by the center. Every single time they, they need a real guy in the middle to just at least hold the, at least keep it even a little bit. But, you know, Heinish and Roy Lopez got a lot of time. You're seeing what the young guys can do. I don't think there's anything there with those guys. And the linebackers are still an issue. Christian Harris, for the most part, he, I think he had one tackle for loss, but he was pretty quiet again. Like this was not a not a, not a get me excited about Christian Harris game. Not to be mean, but, you know, Kurt Heinisch keeps a little post-it note with undrafted written uh, in his locker. You know, he looks at it every day. He didn't need to be reminded about that crap on the field the last two weeks. Like, holy smokes, bro. Like, just – and it's not every single play, but you know what? It's 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 key plays. Like, you're, you're just getting gashed up the middle, man. Like, you're supposed to be that freaking stopper. You know, and between him and uh, Thomas Booker or whoever it is, if it's Roy Lopez on the field, it's like, holy smokes, like you can't be this bad up the middle, um, especially in big spots, you know, where, where, where it's best on best. And the offense is going to tell you, like, we're going to run the football right here. Like, I don't care if it's Derrick Henry or, you know, some other slap. Um, and they haven't been playing a whole bunch of slaps. They've been playing a whole bunch of really good young running backs, Sanders, and Jacobs, and Henry. We've got Barkley coming up. And, I mean, this gamut that they're in, you know, just top NFL running backs back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back straight weeks is just crazy. So I don't want to kill them too much, you know, as a run defense, you know, in a whole. But, I mean, from a toughness standpoint, like, you know, you want to see Heinish put some dudes in the dirt. You want to see Lopez do the same thing because he did do that a little bit last year. Lopez has probably taken a step back. You know, Heinish flashed in the preseason, won himself a job, and then it's like, dude, where the hell are you? You know, the only plays that I've seen him make are the times that uh, I've heard his name called is when, like, they're kind of running right into him. You know, not that he's being the stopper and putting somebody's, you know, what in the dirt making a play himself, it's just kind of, oh, excuse me, or he'll get olayed into somebody. And it's just, that's kind of frustrating to see up the middle. Yeah. And, and the other thing is they got to get stronger. So many of the Texans just really look weak. They got to get in the weight room. Jalen Petrie, his tackling has just gotten pathetic. I'm so disappointed with the way Jalen Petrie has looked recently. He, he, he's just, you know, he's trying to tackle guys with his head instead of his arms 
And, you know, he's just not strong enough. And that guy needs to he needs to gain a lot of muscle and some weight in the in the offseason. Um, that's a big thing. I saw a rare Derek Stingley missed tackle, but there's just a lot of bad tackling and a lot of guys that just don't look like they're strong enough to be in the NFL. And maybe it's just because they're young. Um, I, I want to close things out. Uh, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but I'm going to have somebody I'm going to have Frank on with the Rockets for the talking Rockets uh, for HTX Chop Shop next week. Early next week, we're going to be talking about them. I, I just real quick, the NBA uh, has totally dropped the ball on this Kyrie Irving thing. It's very angering. The Nets finally suspended him. It's long overdue. As somebody that's Jewish, this really pisses me off, and it pisses me off that Adam Silver, a Jewish commissioner, has just sat there on his hands the whole time with Kyrie Irving. It's disgusting. It's pathetic. Uh, the the movie that he promoted was, you know, everything against everything that Adam Silver should stand for. David Stern would not have let this happen on his watch. Um, I don't know what, what's going on with Adam Silver, but he's looked like a really terrible commissioner the last few months, and the NBA usually does better than that. But just wanted to get that um, off my mind. But They need to fire Kyrie. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Kyrie, worth the, yeah, fire him. He's not worth the trouble. Yeah, like, I don't think – I don't even know if he's coming back. He's suspended indefinitely. So we'll see what happens with that. And – um you know, me and Sean, we're going to be back midweek next week and Texans post game back again next week. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Astros. Yeah. Astros, Astros, Astros. Come on, baby. <laughs> See you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.